What was, what? was this supposed to be from? Yodeling. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's up, guys? I felt like that was a moment you would hear in like an epic movie where the, like, <laughs> the song is starting to play and someone starts <laughs> chanting. Here we <laughs> are. Well, yeah, no, I pictured myself <clears throat> on a on a mountainside like uh oh what's her face and sound of music uh, uh maria yeah. Uh, oh, yeah i wanted to say judy dench but i knew that that was <laughs> oh not who it was <laughs> you guys we're here we're here we're in the episode this is it we've started we're here you've made it awkward um so <laughs> i'm alex i am cc <laughs> i'm james and this is the 13th Floor Podcast, where we talk about all three... Oh, <laughs> all three what? Where we talk about all things strange oh. and weird <laughs> and you know how it is. I'm in an odd mood today, you guys. Hmm. Yeah. Well, this is an odd topic. Yes, this oh, is oh, an oh. odd topic. Today, everybody, we are talking about magical thinking. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. But- <sighs> That kind of explains Alex's <laughs> yeah, view of the That's uh, kind topic. of been my mind ho- mindset this whole time, and I've been trying not to be jaded for this one. Mm-hmm. Jaded? You know, that's <clears throat> funny because I'm going to be talking about <clears throat> jade. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, you know, all the other topics, I'm skeptical during all of them. Some of them I'm outright dismissive. But this one. This one he's like th- really th- outright yeah. dismissive. Th- this, this whole week of research for me has been... It, it was really hard for me to like, yeah. Let me to bring my eyes from the back of my head from eye rolling to focus on this. But I did find out some interesting things. But you know, I almost feel like I'm transitioning into something. Uh-oh. But maybe I shouldn't yet. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which should we should we give just a brief definition of magical? Let's go thinking? ahead and do that, and then we'll do our. Our icebreaker. Our icebreaker. Let's go ahead and do an intro, mm-hmm. and then we'll get get lift people on a cliffhanger. Okay, James, can you tell everybody, in case all of you listeners, and welcome listeners, by the way, do we even say that? Hi, welcome. Thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, hi, guys. This is this is a uh, this is a podcast. Um, <laughs> if you're new, really welcome because it's 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 gonna get fun, you guys. James, can you give everybody just a brief? What's the word I'm looking for? Magical thinking overview. Yeah, an overview. Mm-hmm. Magical uh, thinking. Sure. Um, well. We live in a uh, society that's largely dictated by the scientific method, by observable, demonstrable, measurable cause and effect. Whereas magical thinking, it's it, it's the idea that causal relationships between actions and uh, events have less to do with measurable and observable phenomena and more to do with correlations that have nothing to do with the physical world you know thoughts affecting the outcome of something beliefs affecting the outcome of something um it it goes directly against the age of enlightenment and and everything that we've learned for the past 500 years or so and that's one of the reasons why it's kind of good to roll your eyes at it because i'm all for believing in certain things but when you throw logic and reason out in favor of superstition, uh, you're you're taking a dangerous first step into some uh, some rough territory. Yeah, and <laughs> what? No, that's just like the perfect uh, description. <laughs> Thank you, James. You're so good uh, at that. But that being said, we're going to do our cliffhanger. <laughs> Normally, our we do our cliffhanger. What? Our cliffhanger. <laughs> our- <laughs> 
I know. I hope we're not going to leave <laughs> Sorry. people Well, no, but the, I guess it was a cliffhanger. Sorry. <laughs> because we're going to our uh, icebreaker, which we normally do before we even jump into this. But yeah. We're taking, we're, this is a wild ride this time, guys. You don't know what to expect. No, I do not. Things are going off the rails. And this, this icebreaker is going to have to do with magical thinking, I assume. No, you're wrong. What? But <laughs> <laughs> this ice icebreaker is backed by popular demand. Oh, no. Oh, I know what it because is now. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know when we're going to go back to AI. <laughs> cool. So I thought I'd bring this second back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've only got one script. Oh. But, you know, I've got it. And we're going to read it. So we're going to do another AI script. The exciting thing about this one is I haven't read it yet. Oh, okay. Well, I hope it's good in that case. <laughs> yeah, it will be. All right. James, so, do you have your script? Uh, pulling it up now. So what I'm going to – here's the background on this script, everybody. So th- I found this on Spencer A. Clavin's Twitter. He said he forced a bot to watch over 1,000 hours of Greek tragedies. Oh, gosh. And then asked it to write a Greek tragedy of its own. And we're going to read the first page. All right? So you're going to leave us on a, cli- uh, on, on a cliffhanger as to what happens in this AI You can't tell produced. me. You can't tell me that that John Wick one what, did not leave you on a cliffhanger. It, well, no. The, the, it was, he got his dog in the end, and he killed Russian uh, mob man. I guess you're right. Mm. Well, this one's going to be a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, who's playing who? I repress your remember Russian mob man. It was... It uh, was so good that mm. I couldn't forget. All right, so there's characters. There's Dispepsia. Dispepsia. Oh my god! It? It's dyspepsia. Dys- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh All right. man, dyspepsia. It's it's literally she's named after acid reflux. <laughs> That's what that is. All right, and then there's a chorus. Okay. And then there's a Dundertron. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously somebody's got to read the, the uh, descriptions. All right. who? I'll read their descriptions <clears throat> if you guys want to be the people. I want to be Dundertron. How about James is the chorus and I'm Dyspepsia? Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. All right. All right. Oh, and there's also a character that's off screen apparently. Stank. <laughs> Stankricles. Wow. <laughs> I am skeptical that this is from, like, an AI. This feels like a legit parody. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Are you Either guys way, ready to read? We're going to have a good time. I'm ready. Okay, let's hop on in. Exterior. <clears throat> Cursed dynastic palace. Dyspepsia emerges. She is floating on a platform with big wheels. Her dress is covered in treachery. Today is the next day after a lot of days. My husband is coming home from fighting lions. He is the worst kind of husband, the kind that kills your children. The trees are angry at him. Dyspepsia carries a sharp knife given to her by Stankrocles, god of mathematics and ancestral guilt. The chorus emerges. They are children made of bones. They dance. <laughs> we are afraid of what happened, of what of what dyspepsia will do because of what something that happened a long time ago. Sorry, guys. We cannot talk about it. We are always talking about it. We cannot shut up about it. We must never speak its name. I will be silent. I will cry out. <laughs> Stankrocles watches and laughs, eating a meat sandwich. 
<laughs> he does not care about pain or justice. He's in charge of everything. Dundertron emerges, carrying 12 lions, all of them dead. He is wearing five of them. The rest are for burning. Wife, these are lions. We have them now instead of children. Please burn them. <laughs> Dundertron, welcome home, great king. Watch out! Everything is normal. Dyspepsia holds her arms wide. Dundertron is laughing about how he doesn't suspect anything. Suddenly, Stankwercles appears on top of the roof and turns everyone into barley. Wow. The end. The end. That was beautiful. Yeah, I, I, My favorite part is that Stankercles was eating a yeah. meat sandwich. I'll be honest. Like honestly, I'm not exaggerating. That was better than a lot of things that we've read. It, it is. It's 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 like uh, that AI could be like a Hollywood spin doctor or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, you Script know, doctor. I would actually I would watch that if it came on TV. Yeah. I feel yeah, like a lot of people. Of <laughs> yeah. Who did that come from? Where was that found? Spencer A. Clavin. All right. Spencer A. Clavin. Good job. I feel like I should follow him and see if he has more of these things coming yeah, up. Yeah. Follow him and thank him for that one. That was fun. All right. Good job reading that. <laughs> so, okay. I'm, it, it, it is an effort uh, it was, because it's so nonsensical. It yeah, is hard to read. It really yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are we going to talk about some magical thinking? Yes, but I just want to say, I was just thinking, what those remind me of are like Naked Gun movies. Yeah. Or like Airplane. They, they, yeah. Or something that's just so nonsens- nonsensical the entire time. Agreed. But uh, yeah, I'm ready. And I'm, yeah. I'm going first, right? I'm Zodiac. Yeah, yeah, or no, I keep saying Zodiac, <laughs> but it's astrology. Yeah, Alex is going to be talking about astrology, horoscopes, Zodiacs. I keep saying Zodiac because yeah. I associate it with a Zodiac killer. And I really wanted to make this topic. <laughs> I wanted to make it so dark. And it's like almost impossible, but I gave it a little bit of effort. <laughs> but, All right. <laughs> Let's hear about astrology. Okay. Well, I want to start out. Okay, I'm starting out with facts. All right. So, did you know that astrology is a 2.1 billion, with a B, dollar Jeez. industry? I'm not surprised at all. I'm, I'm mad. I'm not surprised but yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> it, apparently, it falls under a category, and that your all's topics probably do too, falls under a category of mystical services market. Mystical? Well, you know, sometimes when <clears throat> I go to Barnes & Noble... I'll go to like the spirituality section and read like about my birthday and what it means to be born mm. on my birthday. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I completely see people buying. Into yeah. That. So apparently it's very lucrative, which is no surprise because, you know, the investment <clears throat> is almost zero for profit. I mean, you just write. Okay. This is where I become dismissive. I'm very sorry for anyone that believes this. I become too dismissive, but you interpret something. And then you make mm. money off of it. That seems pretty cheap, yeah. right? Zero investment. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, so much so that venture capitalists, as of this year, have started investing in astrology. How? Just in, like, books and stuff? Books. You know, it's an entire market. So, it's not just astrology, but it's mostly astrology, actually. And But they're investing in this mystical services market. So, I guess... I was trying to figure out what exactly they're crystal balls. Paying for. <laughs> they ain't cheap. <laughs> well, well, it's not just that. It's like it's like applications, mm. apps, apps and marketing, yeah. totally apps. 
Marketing make it easy. I mean, there's all kinds of maps out there, but what if you can get all these ones that are even more tailored, even more features, everything? So that's kind of what it looks like they're investing in. But it's, just, it's making so much money. It's just, it blows my mind. But who am I to judge, right? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe, I'm Maybe wrong. you should be getting in on that. So, as expected, astrology is remarkably old. Anybody have any guesses on how old? Um, <clears throat> like mammoth, really mammoth times. It's possible. It's possible. Some people do think maybe all the way back to twenty one. This is what I'm thinking. I'm B- thinking twenty one hundred BC. The cavemen look up in the sky. They see the stars and they say, "Oh, good dipper." And then, and then they come up with the zodiacs. Oh, I remember my history teacher back in the day saying that the Chaldeans practiced astrology, and that was a good seven thousand years ago, I think. <clears throat> so a while back. Yeah, and so there there are records of them studying the stars mm-hmm. that far back. But the and and there's all kinds of things, even 2100, 2200 BC, but a lot of them really could they say for a fact the earliest 100% recorded I'm calling it incident, but it's not an incident. Incident of astrology was on April what the I don't heck? know how specific. So it sounds like this is BS, but they're saying it's in 410 BC. April 29th. April 29th, 410 BC. I tried to look up how they decided this exact day. I'm guessing it was maybe written. That's what I'm thinking. Like somebody was born that day or whatever, and it was like, uh uh-oh. Well, it was done for a a pharaoh in Egypt. Uh, And this is where they found it at. And so that was the first 100% recorded thing of astrology. Hmm. And... I didn't know this, but apparently they used the astrology calendar all the way until Caesar changed it. This might be common knowledge, but I did not know this. I didn't know that. Did you know that, James? Yeah. Yeah, I actually did know that. No, nah, Brian, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. So they, so they changed yeah. it. Gregorian for the win, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So thank you, Caesar, for Gregorian figuring out. Gregorian for the win. That's right. <laughs> and this is just a list of like just random facts that I found. Really, there's a website that are a little sketchy, but I did go and verify a lot of them called Best Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did find some pretty interesting facts, and I went and verified all of them because some of these facts were... Mm, <laughs> no. But the Japanese don't actually believe in astrology. Hmm. And I say that because instead, they believe in blood types. Oh, gosh, that's right. I've heard of yeah. blood types. Yeah. So instead of like, oh, you're a Gemini, <laughs> they're like, oh, you're type O. Mm, that means you're sexy. Yeah. yeah they <laughs> they bully <laughs> people, man. Oh, they bully people with bad <laughs> blood types over there. It's crazy. <laughs> why? Why did? Why is anybody talking about their blood type? <clears throat> it's no, but but they. Well, I guess but the Japanese think this think the same way that we, especially Americans, think about astrology and that. Oh, well, this type of blood type has this type of personality. Exactly. Hell, it's yeah. probably a it's probably a better blood type. It's probably better to go by than astrology. Cuz there are fewer <laughs> of them. <laughs> well, there's fewer of them and, you know, at least ge- there's genetics involved in yeah, blood types. That's true. I don't, I don't know. I, I actually think that's where type A and type B personalities come from. I could be really? wrong, but I know I know <laughs> that like the blood type B over there is like Really, it's like, oh, so you're lazy and worthless. So you get out of here. Like that's the <laughs> attitude. 
Like if you oh, apply for a job over there and you're type B, it's like no. <laughs> uh-huh. So so do they have to put that they're type B on their yeah, job? Yeah, I mean there there is there is legit discrimination. That, well, there's I didn't find any discriminate well about the blood type. I don't know. And that's you know, what I'm talking Japan, about. They probably do, but yeah. But it's funny you mentioned discrimination involving jobs because China has had issues of discrimination involving our Zodiacs? Zodiacs. Not theirs. Our weird. Zodiacs, which is weird because China has their own Zodiac. Right, yeah. Or, uh, or, yeah. And so, interesting enough, there was a employer who was hiring people except for Virgos and Scorpios. Oh, you'd be it's, out of luck, Alex. I know. They, and they explicitly <laughs> say, stated on the job description, we are not taking Virgos or Scorpios because they're too... They cause too Fun. much of a they cause too much of a ruckus at work. Hmm. Well, they're not wrong. Yeah, I it's, so. yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> and apparently, uh, another interesting thing is that uh, apparently they someone looked at FBI statistics of people being arrested and noticed that there's a correlation for cancers to be the most frequently arrested as well as be causing the most serious crimes. Weird. <clears throat> Yeah, this isn't and this isn't and it's something the FBI did. It's something someone looked at their stats. Okay, well this is conclusion. the thing about stats like that, okay? <clears throat> There's going to obviously be at least one zodiac that is more than right. the others. Is it like way more? Yeah, they're indicating that it's substantially <clears throat> more. Okay. Not just like a bleeder well, and a close Watch out race. for those cancers. Right. And that might tie into something at the end of my thing. Ooh. But uh <laughs> uh apparently the zodiac signs were used for an agricultural calendar. Really? Well, yeah. I guess because of the stars, like seeing. Yeah, they, they they used the they used it so that they know when know when to sow the seeds and when to harvest. Yeah, but That's people do that thing. now. My dad, like right now, you know, he won't plant anything because uh, it's the dog days, and that just means that Sirius is visible in the sky. Huh? Yeah. James, I, you I and your farmer uh, life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, did you know? Hey, James, what sign are you? Leo. Okay, never mind. You know, that thing that I try to get you guys to call me, but you won't. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry, yeah. James. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Throwing so, some shade. Uh, did you all know, do you all know what two signs serial killers generally are? Uh-oh. Hmm. <laughs> Scorpio and Aries. Pisces and Gemini. Uh, I was just no. guessing. <laughs> most of the most prolific uh, serial killers in America are Pisces or Gemini. Weird. How is that possible? <clears throat> well, maybe we'll go into that a little bit. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, man, you're like uh, the narrator for Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Stay tuned next, <laughs> next time. time. <laughs> Listeners, just a heads up. I am a Pisces myself. So. <laughs> I'm intrigued to learn more. And another little known fact. Apparently... Astrology was almost dead in the 1930s, like one foot in the grave. But all thanks to Princess Margaret. What? And this guy named Princess Margaret's fun. And this guy named R. H. Naylor. So when Princess Margaret was born, and for those that don't know, Princess Margaret is the daughter of Queen Elizabeth, and her sister is the lizard person currently in the UK. (laughs) Queen Elizabeth's sister, essentially. (laughs) And so, it's not true. That's not slander. Please don't go after me. Um, <laughs> and so, R.H. Naylor started writing a column in the paper, writing down Princess Margaret's horoscopes. 
And once he started doing that, horoscopes caught back on, and here we are. Weird. Still talking about him. The rich and the famous <clears throat> brought it back. Probably for nefarious yep. reasons. And my favorite, <laughs> and I think it was our last episode, maybe two episodes ago, my favorite fact was that, you know, Benjamin Franklin using it to predict uh, yeah. someone's death and then pretending <laughs> that they were a ghost for them. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't actually predict anyone's death, but someone does claim that they predicted Hitler's rise to power. Using by looking by looking at his horoscope, what and they he, said a Pisces that, or a Gemini. Uh, no, he's psycho. I'm looking it up now. You should look it up. And apparently, the Babylonians originally had a 13th sign. What was Ophiuchus. it? and they brought it back. Actually, that's it, that's how it is now. They I'm brought it back a few Ophiuchus. years ago. So yeah, there's people now who are like, oh, I'm an Ophiuchus, a snake bearer or whatever. Oh really? Yeah, I wish that I was an Ophiuchus. They cut it loose when they realized that you know there's only 12 months in a year. So. Huh. Hitler was a <clears throat> Taurus. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. His birthday was 420, duh. So, let's see. So, with that, I've decided to go to <laughs> cosmopolitan.com. Oh, God. <laughs> and read each of our weekly horoscopes. Ooh, it's going to get sick. <clears throat> uh-huh. So, and we'll be able to tell if some of it's come true or not. Because we're almost at the end of the week. All right, let's go. Let's go. All right. Let's start with first, James's. First up is Leo. So, Tuesday's lunar eclipse in your Capricorn-governed health sector inspires you to show off the results of your wellness efforts. <laughs> you should be proud. <laughs> On Sunday, Mercury re-enters your cancer-ruled spirituality sector, giving you more power to your intuition and dreams. <laughs> Ooh, so, James, are you are you trying are you trying to go on a diet or lose weight? Are you showing off your wellness efforts? It's kind of funny you say that because I've been working on my my triceps lately, and they're actually noticeably bigger today. There you go. See, there. Yeah. Thank you, Cosmopolitan. So, <clears throat> yeah, okay. you done did it, Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so far. James is as actually correct. And yep. if, let's see, if on Sunday you have feel like you have more power in pursuing your dreams and following your gut, then we know for a fact that astrology is, is correct. It's correct. Yep. Um, yep. Verified. Next up, I believe next up will be me, Scorpio. A lunar eclipse in Capricorn helps you find the right words to express the power of your experiences. This feeling is outside your comfort zone, but be open about your intentions and dreams. Mercury returns to your education and travel sector when it joins cancer on Sunday. Joke's on you, <laughs> horoscope. I don't have a job, so I can't go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, look at it. Look at it. The right words that can express the power mm. of your experiences. You've been to how many job interviews this week? Oh, that's true. Oh. Uh, I, I, did, I did four mm. just yesterday. Oh. oh. Talking about your previous experience. And I, I used to sell things. <laughs> <laughs> I used to sell things. Why do I sound oh, like, a, like Jiminy Cricket? <laughs> oh, this, well, you guys, I'm, I'm sorry I'm rolling both of yours accurate. Let's see what mine is. Hmm. This is where it's probably going to go off the rails and be off completely. Pisces. Tuesday's lunar eclipse in Capricorn helps with, fi oh, sorry, helps find the friendships, community, and foundation you most closely align with. Mercury re-enters your cancer-ruled courage, creativity, and confidence sector, helping you claim you more self-love. Ooh, 
self-love. Is any of that right? Well, you know, I did have a long conversation with my dad earlier this week about and, how I can achieve my dreams. And you went out and ate with a friend yesterday. Confirmed. I did go out. Oh. <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> sure, Pisces, confirmed. And you're recording a podcast, Creativity. Look at that. <sighs> Do you feel more confident this Cos- week? Cosmo's got the answer so there you go. guys. There you go. Uh, all astrology is a fact. We have yep. all We've, apparently... It has been verified by the 13th <clears throat> floor. That's right. One thing that I will say about astrology is that it's really fun to just look at. Like, well, I agree. You don't have to really believe in it, but it's fun to look at. Here's here's one of my problems with it, and this is uh, another list that I'm going through. I wanted to, I'm going to check. I'm going to look at all the zodiac signs. And I'm going to check all the traits that uh, I personally believe I have. Now, it's not whether you all believe it, because, you know, sure. you're the one that always looks at your horoscopes, and you're the one that determines this is me, right? All right. Okay, so Aries, eager, eh, maybe, dynamic, yeah, sure, that's me. Quick and competitive, I think I'm quick and competitive, so I'm an Aries. Taurus, <laughs> strong, dependable, sensual, and creative, <laughs> I think I'm almost all of those things. <laughs> You are not going to go through all of these, are you? Okay, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm versatile. Cliff's no source. You're less, kind. Li- li- Just like li- that li- one. Li- Point is, I've gone through all of these, and I have all of them. The only one that I questioned <laughs> was <laughs> Scorpio, <laughs> which is me. But then when I saw it was Scorpio, I looked at it, I was like, oh, no, that is me. <laughs> that is me. Passionate, stubborn, resourceful, and brave. That is you to a T. Yeah, but I, I did not agree with it when I first looked at it. Well, and then, of course you but did. then I saw Scorpio and I was like, oh, wait, no, these are me. So, what is James? James is a Leo, <laughs> dramatic, yes. outgoing, yes. fiery, yes. and self assured. Yes. He's all of them. But I wouldn't say James is dramatic. No. Now, what do you think this is, James, as well? It's cancer, intuitive, yes. sentimental, yes. compassionate, <laughs> yes. and protective. He's he protective of his spiders. And inspire. See, that's what I'm saying. I think you could lay yeah. these out, and three out of four, someone would say, "Yep, that's me." What's, um, what's Pisces? Pisces. Okay, let's look at Pisces. Affectionate. Yes. Empathetic. <laughs> yes. Wise. Duh. And artistic. <clears throat> that's me. But but what about Aquarius? <laughs> Deep, like, imaginative, you're, you're original. Me. I am that. Why are you looking up Aquarius? Because I was doing what you did. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this. Oh my god! You guys, right over the head. <laughs> but yeah, deep, ima- imaginative, original, and uncompromising. <laughs> I'm not uncompromising. Oh, yes, man. you are. You won't even try a new food. <laughs> <laughs> you're cruel. I'm done with this. <laughs> Actually, according to my Scorpio sign, it doesn't say cruel. It says you're stubborn. <laughs> there it is. It says you're stubborn. Oh man! All right, but uh. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, that's just yeah. kind of, I was going through that to kind of make a point to myself, like, I went through all of them, because typically people only look at their sign and maybe the signs of their friends, right? and then, you know, like, oh, yeah, no, this is yeah. me. Well, I looked through all of them, and I thought they were all me, at least three out of four traits for yeah. me. Well, they're all quite vague. I mean, they, they all have all these... Uh, very vague meanings, you know. You're you're very confident, but you're not afraid to ask for help. Well, okay, that that describes every human being on Earth, 
And not only that, I think it's questionable because they also look like the constellations, or sorry, the, the behaviors match. Like, I'm a Leo. Some people back in the day, they looked up at the sky and they're like, hey, you see that in kind of shape? Kind of reminds me of a lion. And then it was, you know, well, you're brave and you're outgoing. It's like, if if a Babylonian they looked up and said, hey, that in shape, it reminds me of a clam, would it be, oh, you're always just in your shell, you're very introverted? Like, so <laughs> that's that's what makes me somewhat skeptical. I'm a I'm a Leo, so I'm a lion in uh, the West, and then I'm a rat in the East. So I play cat and mouse games with myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's just, pretty good. I'm just two fish, always mm-hmm. swimming in a circle and never Ooh, going anywhere. Dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, speaking of, speaking of dark, that's my last portion mm. of this. Oh. A lot of people look up negative traits sometimes of their friends, especially. Oh, you're such a... You're such a Leo, James. Such a Leo. You're such a Gemini. Well, here are some really dark traits, according to the website Your Tango. These are the darkest things I could find. Yeah, it's apparently I don't. Okay, (laughs) he just found it. I found it, and since I'm sorry, everybody, I believe this is fiction. It doesn't matter what I pick. So Aries, but but it is interesting because some of the traits they do explain why some of these darker traits hmm. uh, through the good stuff. But I'm not I'm not going through that. Uh, so Aries, they say that Aries are always thinking about death. Hmm. It's always like somewhere well, in the back of their mind. I'll have to about- ask my friend Caitlin because she's an Aries. Hmm. Caitlin, do you always think about death? Oh, go on, just do ours. Just do ours. There are 12 of these. There are too many to look through. What? Oh, well, I don't know. Someone pretty interesting, like a Taurus. What's a Taurus do? They like to stalk you. They like to keep their eyes on you, know what you're doing, what, what, oh, see what man. you're doing on social media. Hitler. <laughs> I don't know if he was on Facebook, but he may have been. All right, Gemini. Gemini... Gemini is the one sign that I'm said to not get along with. Well, Geminis are two-faced. And so they make really impeccable it's, liars. It's because they're they're it's because they're a twin. Yeah, I was about to say it's a, it's another one of those descriptions. Okay. Well, I I saw some descriptions of quote unquote positive. Well, I have a really good friend who's a Gemini, them. so I can't really I get along with her. Take that, Gemini. Again, this is the darker side. Not all of them. Also, your dad's Gemini. We get along. Yeah, but he knows what you're doing on Facebook. He does know what you're doing on Facebook. All right, cancer. Uh, cancers are clingy. I actually did know someone that was uh, like shockingly clingy. That was a Again, cancer. crabs Remember? are clingy. Yeah, Leo, uh, Leos are obsessed with themselves. True. And so much so that it's kind of creepy and... They're willing to do anything to be a, the authority, even if it means hurting others. James is the, the furthest from that, unless he's like, I don't know. He's pulling the wool over our eyes, James. That's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Virgo. They, they're just known to have some fetishes. Okay. okay. <laughs> Libra. Uh, some uncharacteristic fetishes. <laughs> what about Libra? <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> a Libra is, since they're most likely, they're, they're really fascinated with the gory details of things. No. Okay. What about Scorpio? Scorpio. This uh, is Alex. Mine's not too bad. He'll learn dark, dark thoughts. Yeah, I'm just quiet. <laughs> what? 
It, says, it just says that I'm quiet and I sit there and I think about really terrible things, apparently. Um, including violent thoughts and brutal murders. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> sound that. accurate. You wouldn't know. I'm keeping uh, it to myself. You just gave me a really creepy look, you guys. <laughs> All right, Sagittarius. This All is right. our daughter. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. This one's not good. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> They tend to run away from their problems, which you know that's that's not too bad. That's but what they she does right now, right? But they disconnect, so they don't they don't have to oh, ever no, really deal with their problems, and they lo- so she's going to be a yeah. sociopath. So they become sociopaths. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll work on that. It's good to know. Oh, okay, let's see, Capricorn, and they're all about they like to fantasize about murdering. What people. the heck? <laughs> Okay, I don't have anything to say for that It's because one. they're known to be ambitious and goal-driven, so they're willing to take out anybody. That's my brother. He's not going to kill anybody. Okay. You Aquarius. don't think he would push an AC unit on somebody just to get that promotion? <laughs> 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 I'm kidding, everybody. Um, Aquarius. Aquarius. Uh, they say that they are probably the type to have a eulogy written for all what? their loved ones. That is the creepiest one so far. And here's mine. This one's lame. I already can tell you. Okay, cool. So you all have a hero complex. And it's essentially, you just kind of want, you're willing to work yourself to the bone until there's nothing left. I mean, Mm. I'm not going to lie. I don't know how that's dark. I mean, that sucks. But, you know, you're not going to murder anybody. So, yeah, we ended on a bad note. Mm. But that's it, guys. That's all the lovely stuff I had. That was fun. That was See, this is the thing. This is the thing. As I said earlier, they're fun to read. And I will say, I just want I just want to give a shout out. Not a shout out, but just a, there was a guy once. I was looking at my birthday with my friends at Half Price Books in a book. This guy came up and was like, uh, you know that that's all fake. And then he started like like making fun of us for like reading it. And we were like, it's fun. And he was, he just, Tips the door. Oh, wouldn't leave us alone. It is fun. And for those that do believe in this kind of stuff, I do apologize if I've come off condescending, but this is fun for me. <laughs> this is, Alex is such a non-believer that I don't think that you could have delivered your your findings in any other way. <laughs> but it was fun, and it, you know what? It did. We did find that we found some things that were kind of true. Yeah. Right. Our weekly cosmopolitan horoscope. Yeah. Worked out for all three of us. Yeah. <laughs> Except for travel, man. They got that one wrong. Ooh. <laughs> cool james you're up next and you're talking about seances right yeah Ooh. i'm talking about seances okay and yeah uh just for the record spiritualism is a huge part of magical thinking and that's a whole other episode so i'm not going to go too deep into it but i think it's kind of impossible to talk about magical thinking and seances without bringing up spiritualism. Spiritualism is characterized by uh, the belief that uh, the dead can be contacted. And it's, you know, a lot of the things in pop culture that have to do with ghosts and the paranormal, they're directly connected to spiritualism with, you know, ectoplasm and crystal balls and all that. All the the trappings of of, uh, pseudoscience in the modern era can be connected to spiritualism in the early, and well, actually the late 19th century. And I think it's important to talk about because we're we're gonna we're gonna save Helena Blavatsky and Aleister Crowley and the Thule Society and the Theosophical Society and all that for other episodes. But I do want to talk 
at f- the first thing I want to mention is the Fox Sisters. Have you guys ever heard of the Fox Sisters? I've heard of them, but I don't know much about them. Well, these three sisters are really what they, they sort of gave rise to spiritualism. I don't think spiritualism would exist if it weren't for them. And I don't think seances would really exist in the modern era if it weren't for them, which is doubly funny because, well, as we'll see, they, they sure weren't magic. <laughs> uh, so in the, in the early 19th century, there were three sisters, Leah, Margaretia, also called Maggie, thank God, and Catherine, also called Kate. And they, they just, they lived in this upstate New York kind of house. And uh, there were rumors that it was haunted to begin with. Well, their parents would hear at night, they would hear these weird sounds, knocking and snapping and just creepy. Like think about every horror movie that's come out the past five years, that kind of stuff, you know, just spooky noises and odd, unexplained events. So, uh, one day, uh, March 31st, actually, um, Kate challenged the, this spirit, presumed spirit, uh, by snapping its fingers. You know, why don't you snap your fingers? And it did. So then she said, well, okay, uh, snap out the ages of me and my sisters. And it did. Now, the parents see this, and they freak out. So they ask the neighbors to come over, and they, the neighbors witness this too. So then, and this is where things are going to get real familiar, you guys. This is where you're going to think, oh, okay, this is just like every seance movie. This is like Ouija boards. This is everything. They started devising codes like snap yes for once or twice for no. Um, snap, you know, five times for the letter D. You see how that's, that works? So we've got something that's kind of like an audible version of a Ouija board. To make it creepier, the little girls decided to start calling him Mr. Splitfoot. Which is, you know, basically split foot, like like the devil, like cloven hooves. Like the, yeah, like okay, yeah. So that's creepy. Mm. So people start really coming around now to see these things, and then they start channeling voices, claiming that uh, Charles B. Rosna, who was uh, a Jewish peddler who was presumably murdered in their house, which you know that's got to be great for the property values. So, oh yeah. Uh, now here's what's interesting. Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, uh, Sherlock Holmes Sherlock fan. Holmes. Yeah. He, uh, he claimed that neighbors actually found uh, bones in the cellar. Now, this is interesting because Arthur Conan Doyle has a lot to do with the spiritualist movement. I'll, I'll touch a little bit more up on him later. Um, in some respects, you could say that the author of Sherlock Holmes and uh, Houdini were like rivals. Because Houdini was just constantly debunking these these seances, and Conan Doyle was constantly lending credence to them. It's really unusual. It's it's it feels like a fictional thing. If it should be a movie, uh, it would be awesome. <laughs> this rivalry that these two had. Every episode that we have, James, you think of a great movie uh, or book. I think, yeah, it's true though. This is like it would write itself. <laughs> Flipping Doyle versus Houdini, it's- Sherlock versus Houdini. You guys. Yeah, it's interesting that the creator of sherlock who is nothing but right reason. was himself a very pseudoscientific fellow yeah and on the philip side houdini known for magic was quite the skeptic so interesting yeah, right weird stuff and, and even now if you look at the biggest skeptics the biggest names among skeptics they're magicians they're stage magicians it's very interesting it, it started a precedent really um like the amazing James Randi and Penn and Teller, they're like three of the most famous skeptics out there. Um, so I think it's because they they know how to make these, you know, 
they know how to trick people. So it's like. Exactly. That is exactly it. Yeah. They know flim flam when they see it. Yeah. So these, these girls with all this, you know, channeling of spirits and the knocking and the snapping, it gets hundreds of, of audience members. It gets, it just draws in crowds. Right. So they're all going, yeah, they're all going to around Rochester to, to see like, what's, what, what's going on with these magic girls. So they start going on the road. Like they're basically like superstars. They, they do seances they uh they they actually promote political causes like women's suffrage, temperance, abolition. So they start doing all these these public displays, you know, knocking under tables, levitating objects, voices coming out of nowhere. And it really it's what got the whole movement going. It's the the progenitor of seances. So one day uh, as adults, after they'd made a ton of money in like the, the 1850s or so, uh, after being very, very famous, and they, they, they had done seances for literally like the, the most elite people, like Horace Greenlee, Sojourner, Sojourner Truth. You remember her from social studies, I'm sure. William yes. Lloyd Garrison, like like the, the, the big names in the late 19th century. Uh, and then they, they came out and they're like, oh, uh, yeah, it's all fake. Like I think what had ultimately happened was all these, all these skeptics had begun studying them, and they they were they were scared. So they finally came out and they were like, okay, when we were little, we would tie an apple to a string, and that's what would scare our parents. And then one of us would hide and do the snapping, and then we got really good at throwing our voices. And like they just, you know, they they, they outed themselves. And yet, there's all this literature about them as you know, still well after they admitted it, oh, well, they're, they're, they're magic. They, 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 they started a new movement. You know, it's the age of Aquarius and all that. And it's, it's really fascinating that despite the fact that they had even signed a confession, people still buy into their story. People still refute. No, 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 no. They, they were just forced to do that by a bunch of mean skeptics. And, uh, Houdini himself even said, he said, uh, about some of the things that they hadn't quite explained. He says, as, and I'm quote, this is a quote from Houdini, as to the delusion of sound, sound waves are deflected just as light waves are reflected by the intervention of a proper medium under certain conditions. It is a difficult thing to locate their source. Stuart Cumberland told me that an interesting test to prove the inability of a blindfolded person to trace a sound to its source. It is exceedingly simple, merely clicking two coins over the head of the blindfolded person, end of quote. So it, what he's basically saying is wrappings are easy to replicate because you don't have to put them in a certain area. You can put them in a general area and people will just assume they're coming from a given source. So, hmm. and also how, uh, what a, what a great way of describing it. I mean, he, the dude was a Renaissance man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting angry just thinking that there's no documentaries about him that like are big. He was an amazing human being, you guys. Um, so let's fast forward to another weird, uh, claim like that, that has to do with spiritualism. Actually, you know what? Let's say, let's save the fairies for another episode. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to get people riled up. Like you got to stay tuned so we can talk about fairies, Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Cause I'm, I'm just want to focus. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to focus more on, uh, on seances. So it's just astonishing at how much this took off. But at the same time, do you guys have any explanation for why this would be a popular thing? Uh, Just because people want to communicate with their 
loved ones. Yeah, it, it's fun. Exactly. That is that is a hundred percent. I mean, yeah, exactly. The the simplest explanation is the accurate one. Um, it's important to note that this period immediately followed the era of enlightenment. So it was a time when science had really taken hold over superstition and that takes away on an emotional level i think a lot of things from people it's not it's not easy to to live in a purely sterile world that's that's just based on facts and figures and especially with regard to uh things that we can't measure you know the people that we're close to and and the feelings of loss and things of that sort and i think that spiritualism filled that void that the age of reason had created. And I think that's really why it took off. And this goes doubly so for seances, because if you think about it, the future is uncertain. That's not something we're ever able to figure out with science. We can't read the future currently with science. And people want to know that because there's the fear of uncertainty. Well, similarly, seances and communicating with the dead, I think that stems from the desire to to know that there's, there's something afterwards and that there's a, a reunion with the people that uh, we care about. And I think that it's such a powerful drive, such a fundamental part of the human experience that it's really impossible to eradicate. And And that's one of the, my issues actually with hardline skepticism because they seem to be under the impression that at some point people are just going to get over that and just accept oblivion. And no, it's never going to happen. You're crazy. It, just just having that point of view is what actually leads to this sort of behavior uh, rather than, you know, normal, healthy spiritual views. That's my opinion, and I realize that's not everyone's opinion, but I think it's uh, worth noting. And uh, one of the things I'd also like to sort of cover is uh, the people that we see during seances, because it's not all just, you know, a grandparent talking through a veil or whatever. Uh, a lot of people, when they go to seances, they see uh, Jesus, they see doves, they see vague figures from history, things like that, you know. And uh, and and I think that's interesting because what do you guys think that could be? First of all, I, I don't like having fun asking questions about this because again, it, it's it's pretty subjective. Spiritualism is pretty subjective. So I've never personally been to a seance. I've had no desire to go to a seance so are you sure. saying like seeing like a physical like an apparition of a dove no why, why do you think why do you think people see doves and jesus and caesar like physically see them at like a seance i don't know why you yeah. would see caesar yeah i would say the other ones because they're part of culture uh, well i just meant i just mean historical figures. figures oh no uh the only thing i can think of is a, a hologram a hologram projector uh, I don't uh, because there is there something in the air. Well, what I'm thinking of, and, and the reason I asked it was, I'm, I'm just wasn't really looking for like a a skeptical interpretation. I just meant like mentally why someone would I see perceive that. I would know? say because culturally, some of them where they've are been primed. That that's exactly what I think. That's why I asked. Is I think that though the filters of culture. They, they cause us to see certain things. It's well, a, a great example. I think I said this before. No crazy person claimed to be Jesus until Jesus came along. <laughs> and no, nobody, nobody had a Napoleon complex until Napoleon. So culture lends itself to people um, making claims and seeing things. And I think that 
I think that the archetypes, like the, the, the Jungian archetypes, I think they filter through our culture and they result in those kinds of things. Like a, a Japanese person, on the other hand, they might see a Matarasu or Susanna O, oh, and they might see like uh, a shoot uh, Oda Nobunaga instead of Caesar, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that it has less to do with anything remotely objective or even to do with the trickery of the person conducting the seance and more to do with the psychology of the person who's attending the seance. That's, that's where I was kind of going with that. And that's the thing about like seances. I feel like most people, like when you go to a seance, you're already expecting something to happen. Exactly. Yeah. I completely agree. Although I have heard stories of skeptics going to these things and then leaving being believers, but... Ah, well, interestingly enough, we're going back to Houdini because this is this is the deal with Houdini. Houdini loved his mom, and she died, as, you know, often happens. Everyone does. Exactly, except for me. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, he wanted so badly, just like, the, uh, this is a callback to what we were talking about before, he wanted so badly to be able to speak with her one more time that he had gone believing to a number of, of seances and to a number of uh, psychics. And him being a magician and him knowing how, how certain trickery works, he always found that it never was genuine, and it upset him a great deal. And well, finally... Yeah, and so he set out to find a real psychic who could could help him, and it sort of turned naturally after you know dozens of fakes. He was the one guy. It's like you were talking about Cece. He was the one skeptic who would just go to all these seances. He was always going to seances, and he was always debunking them and proving them to be fake. And really, that this is coming full circle with what I was talking about. The Fox sisters created the spiritualist movement. Houdini destroyed it. So I think it's interesting to note that a, you know, three young girls, it, it, always, it makes me think of the Salem witch trials because that's how that started. Three young girls created spiritualism and a magician destroyed it. Ended it. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, it, it, it stuff comes full circle kind of. Uh, have you ever been to a seance yourself, James? I have not. Uh, but oh, interesting story though. Uh, my my sister Sandy was super into Ouija boards, and we would play oh. with Ouija all the time. And when we did, it would always storm. Like it, it was like it could be the sunniest day, and then when we would play Ouija, it would storm. And uh, my older brother, he uh, he won't even talk about it. Uh, him and his friends got together and they decided to do some Ouija stuff and whatever happened, <laughs> it ended with them burning the board. No, thank you. I, I, Ouija yeah. boards scare the crap out of me. I actually have a friend whose mother used a Ouija board and they had to move out of their house shortly after because all these weird things started happening. So I would never touch a Ouija board. I'm, I'm a skeptic about seances. I'm a skeptic about fortune tellers. But I, I, that is something I do believe in. I, I don't know whether it, it taps into another world or if it taps into the human unconscious, but it taps into something, I think. So, yeah, the uh, the two uh, pseudosciences or whatever that I really do put some stock into is the I Ching for uh, fortune telling and Ouija for scary stuff. <sighs> Just the thought of Ouija freaks me out. Okay. Mm. Well, that was really interesting stuff, James, about seances. I guess it's my turn. All right, you guys. Listeners, um, I'm talking about crystals this week. Hashtag yep. Steven Universe. <laughs> yeah, hashtag Steven Universe. And I'm just going to start by You've saying- You've never seen Steven Universe, you dirty liar. I've never, I've never seen it. 
But the reason I chose crystals is because... It's about crystals. <laughs> well, crystals are near and dear to my heart. When I was little, I had a massive crystal, rock, and gem collection because I briefly wanted to be a geologist. And I had them in this, these, little, these little plastic tubs. I had them all labeled. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened to them, though. I lost them when I moved, which makes me really sad to think about. But anyways, crystals... Crystals kind of come with some magical thinking to them, but they're used by some people to ward off negative energy and illness. And different stones Mm. are said to have different properties and can be used for different things, which I'll go into more detail in a minute. So today, gems and crystals are actually used in a lot of electronics, which James, I'm sure you knew. It's because they're, I don't know how to pronounce this word. Piezoelectric. Yep. Yeah, you got LEDs it. and stuff like that also use them. Yeah, they can emit an electric charge when pressure is applied to them. So they're using all sorts of electronics, specifically quartz. But we're uh, we're not here to talk about their use in electronics. We're here to talk about how they can heal the soul <laughs> uh, by bringing me Breaking Bad every week. Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's an old reference, but I saw. Uh, a picture where it looks like they're, that movie's going to be revealed soon. And that's all I'm thinking about. I did not know this. Wow. There's a Breaking Bad movie coming out, you all. It's probably going to be the end of Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad together. What does that have to do with crystals? Because it brings me my technology to watch this oh show. Oh, my God. That's right. my healing. <laughs> that's your... <laughs> well, I feel like we've definitely seen a resurgence in the belief that crystals and gems can heal in recent years, Mm -hmm. but the use of crystal healing has actually been around for centuries. I read on some website, let me find it, Baltic amber beads have been found that might date back uh, 30,000 years. Nice. So. And they were used for crystal healing? They were used used for some type of healing, crystal healing. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Alex has already Alex has already dismissed this topic completely, so he's sitting here and he's giggling, you guys. No, I haven't dismissed it entirely. Well, according to several sources, including LiveScience.com, which is where I got most of my information, the first historical references of crystals being used was from the ancient Sumerians. Wow. Yeah. They were said to have been used in magic formulas. So... Uh, I'm not sure if they were like crushed up and <laughs> That's drank, what I'm picturing. Or if they were just like eating like M&Ms or something. I don't know. <laughs> Worst M&M mm. ever. Malachite. <laughs> but the ancient Egyptians used them too. Alex, stop looking at my notes. Avert those eyes. Uh, but the rich and the famous wore them like rock stars. Mm-hmm. They were like all covered in turquoise and emeralds and clear quartz. and Not much has changed. Not much, you know, no, not much has changed. But you name it, they wore it crystal wise. And they were mainly used for protection and health. Though they supposedly use topaz and peridot to rid themselves of night terrors and evil mm. spirits. Interesting. Which, fun fact, topaz is Alex's birthstone and peridot is James's and birthstone. And peridot is also the best gem because she's great. The best gem. <laughs> oh. I, I don't, is that, <laughs> yeah, is that a Steven good. Universe? <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, how are crystals formed, you guys? Uh, the earth. <laughs> James, like, uh, do you millions know? Millions of years of pressure <laughs> crushing uh, different uh, minerals into like uh, crystalline shapes. The the atoms are arranged in, in like cube and tetrahedron type shapes. Uh, really structurally good shapes. Structurally good. You put it better than me. So 
So if I described it, it would probably just put all of our <laughs> listeners to sleep. It's very scientific. <laughs> Structurally good shapes, but not unlike that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, if you want to learn more about how crystals are made, just look it up on Google. There's lots of good resources out there. But can crystals be used to heal? That's why we're here, you guys. That's what we're talking about. So from what I can collect, crystals can be used to heal or are said to be used to heal by just wearing them or keeping them in close proximity. Mm-hmm. My aunt Diane, who I consider an authority figure on all things crystal, I actually called her and had like a really nice mm. conversation with her earlier about crystals. But um, she recommends keeping some close to your bed. And I read one article that said <laughs> you can keep one under your pillow. Oh, that sounds uncomfortable. Well, it sounds like, I mean, it depends upon that's the a size. That's, a that's, that's exactly what I thought was like, <laughs> I could just imagine myself like getting it on my pillow and then swallowing it, <laughs> swallowing the crystal. It'd be quite an effort to yeah. do that in your sleep, but yeah. I get. There are people who roll around <laughs> like crazy. I know I have a friend who will go to sleep on one side of the bed and then wake up on the other. Well, you so. know, they say that you eat so many spiders a yeah. year in your sleep. Yeah. How many crystals would you eat? <laughs> no, what's, a, what's a crystal? <laughs> Crystals can also be used, though, in healing therapy sessions where they're placed on different parts of the body. And I think that the crystals pull out the negative vibes Mm. in order to realign the chakras. Okay. Do you guys know anything about chakras? I'm sure James does. Yes. Yeah, a little bit. All right. Well, in case the listeners don't, I'm going to go into (laughs) it. So the Open Mind Center, which I think is like a healing center here in Atlanta, they write this of chakras, quote, the word chakra literally translates to wheel or disc in Sanskrit. If you can imagine a swirling wheel of energy in your body where matter meets consciousness, that's a chakra. Interesting. And uh, it says the body has seven main ones containing bundles of nerves that regulate physical and emotional processes of the body. The seven chakras are aligned starting at the base of the spine all the way to the crown of your head. It is important for the chakras to remain open, aligned, and fluid to prevent imbalance, which can manifest in all areas of life, end quote. So when you undergo crystal healing therapy, it helps to get your chakras to line back up. So you're feeling balanced. Yeah, you're feeling balanced. Chakras have different colors too. So each one has a different color. It's like the rainbow. Mm-hmm. And the main the, the main seven chakras are the crown chakra, which I think is at the top of the head. It's that violet. Yep. Yeah, the third eye, indigo. The throat, which is blue, the heart, which is green, the solar plexus, which is yellow, the sacral, which is orange, and the root, which is red. How did they pick these colors? It, it's. So oh, I guess they are the they are these colors. Sorry, that's the color of the chakra. Jeez, <laughs> and I think that specific crystals and gems that are placed on each of your chakra points are the same color. Oh, interesting. As the chakra, which that aligns makes them. Sense. Don't quote me on that. Pulls those energies towards those colors. Yeah, well, it aligns. Yeah, it aligns the energy. Of course, you just told me not to quote you on that, so now we're lying to people. Well, guess what? Guess what? <laughs> I have actually had my chakras aligned once. Oh, really? Yeah, I was like, I was really young, though. I was like 11, and my family had a friend that was that could do it. And she told me that your chakras were all out of sync, which I was like terrified because I was like 11. I had no idea what yeah, she was so talking you're about. Looking pretty dull. Well, yeah, I was looking pretty dull. She <laughs> said that my aura was very dim, which I had a rough childhood. So, like, I'm not surprised. But she tried to realign my chakras and she didn't use any gems or anything. She just like put her hands over different parts of like my my body. 
And I think then, they call like, that Reiki. Like when she was doing it, though, it's like I felt like I could feel this like intense pressure on whatever part of my body she was concentrating on, and it terrified <laughs> me. It was really scary. According to LiveScience.com, quote, a crystal healer may place various stones or crystals on your body aligned with your chakra points, roughly in the regions above the head, on the forehead, on the throat, on the chest, on the stomach, on the gut, and on the genital area, which I read. I actually read that it's like in between the legs. Anyways. Uh, you didn't make it sound any better. Well, that's, this, is, this is a quote. This is a direct quote. Uh, the stones used in their positioning may be chosen for the symptoms reported by the patient. This is all influenced by the healer's knowledge of and belief in the chakra philosophy Oof. of disease and energy imbalances. Oh, I need some my chakras aligned. Then my back is out of whack. It mm. is out of whack. Oof. You need to go to a chiropractor, boy. No, I need to get my chakras aligned. You, you know what? There are centers in town that can do that. I kind of want to go. So I can see if it fixes my back yeah. before I go to the chiropractor. Yeah. And not, not not throwing shade on chiropractors, but there's just as much evidence for, for chakras as there is for chiropractors. So. Well, <laughs> a treatment, Alex, might cost you a pretty penny, though. Oh, well, never mind. Depending then. upon where you go. As I said earlier, I don't have a job, so. <laughs> yeah, we don't have the money right now, yeah. but soon. We'll, we'll just get some rocks out of the backyard and lay them on the back. <laughs> <laughs> they got to be the right color, though, so we'll paint them. Okay, so... <laughs> I tried to find some crystal healing therapy providers in the Atlanta area because I wanted to call and like ask questions, but they didn't answer their phone, which kind of made me mad. And so I sent them an email and you know what they said to me, you guys? Oh, <laughs> they said I have to come in for a consultation uh. and they'll figure out. So, yeah, I come in for a consultation. They'll figure out what ailments I'm trying to, to fix. Hey, I called a hypnotist and he turned me down for their hypnosis episode. He got scared. Oh. Yeah, he didn't want to be filmed. I was like, come on, man, hypnotize me. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't tell her that. I just, I, I was just genuinely interested. I wanted to know. And I also want to know how much it costs. But mm. she wouldn't tell me. So then uh, I think it depends upon the specific like type of treatment. That's the way I kind of, most of my intuition is telling me. It depends upon oh, how I'm many sure. stones they have to place mm. in your body. <laughs> <laughs> but I found another healing center, and it did have the prices listed online. The Open Mind Center, which I mentioned earlier, they offer quick thirty-minute sessions for sixty bucks. Mm, okay, forty-five-minute session is eighty, and an hour is a hundred dollars. That's not too bad. No, it's not that mm. crazy. But I mean, if you're going to go do it, like, like you know, when you go to the chiropractor and it's like you start getting your back fixed, you want to keep going, so it gets expensive after a while. Well, what if the same thing happens with crystals? Mm. Well, you gotta find out if it even works at all yeah. first. Yeah, that means you gotta go at least two or three times. No, once. You better. You better allow my shot. I wonder what stones are good for kidney stones. You know what I mean? Ooh, Pretty weird. Stones for stones. Alex, look it up. Uh, that that sounds like a green chakra yeah. to me. A green? No, no, that's the heart chakra. That's the. Let's look it up. That's the heart chakra. That's the. I think it's the solar plexus. No, it's heart. Oh, Probably lost, the sacral. I lost my papers. Yes, the sacral, so uh, orange. So you need an orange, an orange. Uh, which one was the heart? Green. The heart. That's the called the yeah green. Oh, you got ready to 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 mouth me. Oh. I always mouth you. Okay, yeah, citrine. <laughs> citrine is good for kids. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cut that. Out. I'm gonna cut that. Out. <laughs> oh man, I think we should just do this raw. Yeah. We're going to be... This is so... Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, We're going to be like Eddie Murphy and Runtle Dot. We're going to go raw. 
<laughs> this episode has gone off the rails, you guys. Sorry, <laughs> chems. You guys were talking about chems. Um, well, well, let me get back to my notes. Oh yeah, by the way, by the way, this is just a, this is just an off subject, but. When I looked up Crystal Healing Atlanta, all it did was pull up doctor's name. Uh. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, does it really work, though, you guys? Does Crystal Healing actually mm. work? Some studies suggest that it may cause a placebo effect. Oh. In 2001, a, uh, a group of scientists at the University of London carried a study on the efficacy of uh, Crystal Healing. And basically what the study consisted of was they had 80 participants. Uh, half of them hold a real quartz crystal, and then half of them hold a fake quartz, mm. quartz crystal. And they told these people to meditate for five minutes. And then after they meditated, and, and when they were meditating, they told all these people, well, they told half the people, um, take note of any effects the crystal has in your body. Like if your hands start to feel warm or you start to feel a tingling sensation. And then after they meditated, mm-hmm. they answered questions about their experience. And the researchers found that those who held the fake crystals while meditating well, were no different than the effects reported by those who mm. held the real crystals during the study. Hmm. And then, obviously, the people who were told to pay attention to if they're um, if they felt any tingling or warmth, they were. I think it was like twice as those who had been primed to feel the effects reported stronger effects than those who had not been primed. Mm. Oh, okay. So being tell- telling them to do it. yeah. But the strength of the effects did not actually correlate with whether the person was holding a real crystal or fake crystal. Hmm. So, what were the fake yeah. crystals made out of? Plastic, <laughs> <laughs> probably glass. It has to feel heavy, you know, in the hands. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. That is a small sample size, though. I will it say. is a small sample size. Eighty but participants is pretty small, but I mean, still an interesting. Can you study. imagine how complicated the study would have been if they had done one thousand people? <laughs> I mean, probably. Just a little more complicated than me. <laughs> <laughs> just got to have the crystals and not crystals. Well, I spoke to my Aunt Diane, and she has this big, beautiful collection of crystals and gemstones at her house, and she believes in the power of crystals. But I asked her for some recommendations on crystals for stress, and uh, she recommended something called Lepidolite. I think that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a really pretty purple crystal, and it has lithium in it. Which we all know can Mm. calm people. Uh, It can be used to treat manic episodes of bipolar disorder. So maybe on a chemical level, these crystals actually can provide some healing benefits to people. Interesting. So it could be that just this this study with the 80 people, maybe quartz doesn't really do anything. So quartz does something, please. Oh, I'm oh 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 no! I've I've stepped (laughs) somewhere I shouldn't have. Well, this is another thing that Dan says. She says that every crystal contains a spirit that's meant to guide its owner. Oh. Yes. And if I can remember correctly, I feel like a long time ago she told me that the spirit will find you. So if you're meant to have a crystal and you come across it, you're supposed to have it. It was meant to be. You know, that is genuinely interesting because uh, I took my sister for her birthday to a geology show. And uh, my nephew was drawn to a quartz crystal, and the woman said something almost identical to that and gave it to him for free. That oh, he was that's meant so to sweet. Have it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it probably had a spirit inside it. But, you know, yeah. like a, a long time ago, people believed that there were spirits in everything. Like, you know, the yeah. wind and the trees and everything yeah. has a spirit. Animism. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's interesting because there, there's been a lot of debate as to whether or not crystals are like 
alive or not, just because of the way they form. Obviously, scientific, but the scientific community generally does not consider crystals to be living things. But there was a, a group of scientists at, at New York University. They actually made almost living crystals. Uh, and it, it's a difficult study to explain, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm confused just hearing that. What? Yeah, no, what? look into it. There, there are, you know, the, something is considered a living thing if it has the capacity to grow, metabolize, respond to stimuli, adapt, and reproduce. And mm-hmm. reproduce is the only thing that really... I, well, I guess they kind of got these to kind of, like, re- look into it. It's really confusing. It's really interesting, but... Interesting. Um, yeah. So they would respond, they would do something to the crystals and they would respond probably by yeah. maybe growing more, yeah. shrinking maybe. Well, there are I some, know. I read that there are some crystals that can like move depending upon stimuli that are, that are placed upon them. Like they can lean different ways. Weird. This is making me think of the end of Ghostbusters 2 with the, the ooze <laughs> in the toaster. <laughs> yeah. Weird. But yeah, my That's aunt telling me that every crystal has a spirit in it and you're meant to have it made me feel really guilty for losing my my gem collection. <laughs> it's like I abandoned them. But anyways. You know, it's funny. I'm a skeptic about that kind of thing, but I have, I keep a quartz crystal around me because I've, I'm just enthralled by it. And like, I just it's have to have it around. It's your spirit guide, James. James, you should ditch it and yeah. see what happens. No, don't ditch it. Don't, don't do that to your crystal. <laughs> I wasn't saying like throw it away. I was just saying like take it off your person for a little while. Yeah, well, it's never on my person. It's just near me. Quartz, uh, according to Diane, if I remember correctly, because we had a long conversation about this, she said that quartz amplifies mm-hmm. things. So if you're feeling um, mm-hmm. sad, it can amplify those emotions. So oh. it's probably not best to give Interesting. quartz to some people. But I looked into what our birthstones mean. Okay. And this is according to energymuse.com. James, yours is Peridot. And it said this. Yep. It said, quote, skip being green with envy and use the energy of Peridot to become green with abundance. Peridot, a stone of light, helps you to ditch toxic emotions of jealousy, spite, and stress and replace them with insight, confidence, and a radiant sense of purpose. Yeah. So, James, you need to get some Peridot. Yeah, negative energy people are clods. Mm-hmm. That was another reference. I'm going <laughs> to pretend like I know. Uh, Alex. Alex's main birthstone is Topaz because he's a November baby. But energymuse.com did not have any information on Topaz. So we're going to do citrine, which is also one of your birth zones. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually thought it was citrine. So that's interesting. Well, there are are multiple birth zones for all of us. I always thought it was But I'm just going with the main main one. Well, and Alex is the secondary. Uh, But it says, quote, derived from the French word citron, meaning lemon. This crystal's vibe is anything but sour. That is good writing. <laughs> I was going to say, who did the coffee for this? Sweet oh, is man. the essence of this gem. Its sunny attitude cultivates energy that is fertile for growth. It energizes the solar plexus chakra, which I think is yellow, uh, to radiate power, centeredness, confidence, and endurance. Citrine is one of the few stones that rather than absorbing negative energy, it clears it. It makes room for happiness and light, so the spirit is open to positive possibilities. Ooh. We need to get you some citrine. Yeah. I'll drink it. <laughs> no. Uh, well, maybe I'll eat it while I'm asleep. Yeah. <laughs> sleep, sleep. <laughs> keep it under your pillow. Yeah. And then you'll wake up in the morning. You will be the most, you will just be <laughs> spewing positivity. <laughs> <laughs> that or choking. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mine is aquamarine. 
because I'm a March baby. And this is what it says of Aquamarine. Use Aquamarine to ride the positive waves toward closure, major life changes, and a higher consciousness. This water-like stone washes away stress and fear, leaving room for peace and tranquility in their absence. <laughs> but you guys, if you if you want to know what your birthstone means, go to energymuse.com. Listeners, it's a nifty little website. Maybe we'll link it on our Twitter page. Okay, so one thing that my aunt Diane gave me for my birthday this year, and I was completely honored because it was it's actually a very expensive gift, was a uh, water bottle that has this little cluster of gems at the bottom. I think it's amethyst and clear quartz, but it's supposed to, when you drink it, it's supposed to like help you. Mm-hmm. And I think that the one that she gave me, because the, the website that sells them, it's called Vita Jewel. They sell all these different like gems that you can put in the bottom for different things. Mm-hmm. And the one that I have is for balance. So I've been drinking it for a little yeah. while and the water actually does taste pretty good. And she's always walked a, a little, little bit to the, to, to the left. And now, since drinking this, <laughs> she started walking in a straight line. What? Yep. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> I'm man. Kidding. You guys suck. <laughs> I can't believe you I can't that. believe I did either, in retrospect. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. say, what, you, you've seen me walk. It's it's not I, was like, I was it's like, not I don't remember that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's not for literal balance. Oh, man. <laughs> you guys. But the Vita Jewel is very cool. I do recommend. Also, this week I was trying to like, because it's like I go through periods where I drink from it and then where periods where I don't drink from it because I have another uh, bottle that I use. But I kind of like had it away for a short period of time. So this week I was going to like test it and see, can I, uh, does it taste different? I can't remember, but I burnt my tongue on some soup. So I couldn't really, I can't really. T- but you said it tasted different. When I drank from it previously, yes, it did. Okay. Yeah, it was really good. Interesting. But my tongue is still a little frazzled. Now, does the water hit the actual... Oh, I guess, I guess the does, crystals don't have to touch anything, right? No, they don't. They don't have to touch anything. So. No. It's just ra- radiating positive energy. That's right. I forget that they radiate. Yeah, or they radiate. Absorb. Which, I mean, gems do... They have frequencies that they emit. Like, you know, the conduit, the, the quartz does. Interesting. Yeah, think about a quartz watch, you know? Yeah. I and mean, that's how we... Told time ever since we got past uh, sundials. Yeah. So who's to say that it's not actually emitting a frequency that is going to be beneficial to your health? Fair enough. <sighs> okay. So Diane's recommendations. This is uh this is our I guess our our gemstone expert Diane Aunt Diane Corner. That's what we'll call this segment. Her recommendations: the best stone to keep for love is rose quartz. Mm, sounds appropriate. Mm. For, rose quartz. for yeah, rose quartz for anxiety and or health. There are lots of them that do this. But Diane's personal recommendation is selen- selenite. Selenite, I think that's how you say it. Selenite. Okay. S e l e n i t e. She okay. says you can put a piece of that on your head, and boom, headache gone. So if you have a headache. You should put it on you. And she also told me that she went to a gemstone uh, uh, like store recently, and she was feeling a little wacky. And uh, apparently, apparently, they call it getting stoned if you have too much like <laughs> too much crystal energy that is coming into you. That's so she funny. was she was feeling a little off balance, and so they gave her a piece of this. Actually, and she also sat in a chair that was made of it, and then she felt better. Interesting. So I don't get headaches very often, but when I do, they're really bad. I want to mm. keep some of this around so I could try it. 
You put it on your head. Yeah. She says it works almost instantly. It's interesting. So, yeah, mm-hmm. get get a piece. And you guys, you know, even if you don't believe in this, crystals are, like, beautiful. So you're going to have something really pretty yeah, in your so house. Yeah, so worst case scenario, yeah. Yeah, you, you it's like our $10 vase. <laughs> okay. So, you guys, um, I personally think that crystals can actually have healing benefits to them. Oh, really? Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, I'm not I completely mean, dismissive, of, dismissive of this. Okay. I think it's kind of cool to think about and being the the uh, uh, gemstone lover that I am to make me happy. Mm. Just need to get some citrine. I think it's interesting. I didn't realize that they vibrated. <laughs> I've learned something new. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're, yeah, if you squeeze quartz, it actually emits a, a small electrical pulse. Mm. I mean, what else has electrical pulses? Yeah. Our brains. so so you guys at the end of the day the science isn't rock solid on weather but i think that if you do believe in the power of them that you actually can see benefits and even if it's not like you know even if it's not like 100 percent true i think if you believe in it you really can see benefits but it makes me want to get a piece of selenite my headaches. I, I I do want to try the selenite. Yeah. Because I, I don't get headaches very often. I get like maybe a yeah. couple a year, but when I get them, they're there, really bad. Uh, he, he just sits in the corner. I never get headaches, and I know the cure. You guys want to know the cure for headaches? Let me guess. Let me Alcohol. guess. Let me guess. Um, hugging a tarantula. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's no. good, though. I'm going to say um, stabbing your hand. That way you have something else to focus on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say. Green tea. Green tea. You know, that could actually be it. I was halfway kidding, but I'm um, halfway not. Uh, having your skull split open by a shadow person. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's funny. Alex got it. Yeah. That was me. I, uh, all right. Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. There we go. You guys, that's all I have on crystals. Oh, that's it. That's all I have. Man, I've, I feel like I've learned a lot this episode. This has been a really long yeah. episode. Yeah. Yes, it has been long. Agreed. I only have to. Cut a couple of things. My segment was yeah. much longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's just do it live. Yeah. No, as you said, fun. let's do it raw. Yeah. Yeah, let's right. do it raw. You, you sound like Frank on Always Sunny. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have anything that you want to, uh, to add to the combo before we head out for the night? I think mine is the most BS of all of them. Hmm. If I, I had think to you're probably one. right, actually. Yeah. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah. I also presented it in a way, to be fair, that may have been <clears throat> detrimental to it. Actually, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, seances, I think, are more BS than astrology. Yeah, I could see that. But then again, you both seem to, ha- you know, think that Ouija boards hold a little water. So well, that's true. That's a valid point. You know, what's the difference? Uh, I mean, I know there's a difference, but they're pretty similar. They're, yeah, I, I, I see. There's a similarity. You're, you're, it's channeling. So yeah. yeah. And then, you know, it seems like James and you are at least a little bit on board with crystals. The crystals. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm over yeah. here all by myself. Yeah. I, I, I'm not completely dismissive of the crystals, but I am completely dismissive of, of almost all of it. <laughs> yeah, Alex is very, he likes to see hard, rock-solid proof. Yeah, but... I think I think that's a virtue in the modern era, though. Uh, I think as long as we don't fall into the fundamentalism of skepticism, yeah. where that, then I think that it's healthy to follow a scientific method to uh, 
make conclusions about things, which is totally hypocritical of me to say because I have a lot of unscientific <laughs> <people>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, that's part of the fun of the podcast too. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this has True. been a fun one, you guys. We got to pick out our our topic for next week's episode. And while Alex is oh. getting the vase, uh, I just want to tell all you listeners. I want to thank everybody who submitted topics to us because we have we have more in our little vase now. So if you guys have a topic that you want us to talk about on this podcast, please submit them to us. You can do so via our Instagram page, which is at Thirteenth Floor Podcast, or on Twitter at 13th Floor Pod, or you can email them to us at 13th Floor Podcast at gmail.com. Also, send us your stories. If you want us to read about a crystal spirit that found its way to you and you know the name of the crystal, maybe your crystal's name is John. Tell us all about John. That's the lamest <laughs> named crystal, but that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, tell us about John. All right, that's that's all that I have. All right, now, Alex, pick, pick out of the vase. All right. <clears throat> Gosh, he's, I'm he's, having trouble. They're all linking together. <laughs> all right, so I drew mysterious, mysterious disappearances. Ooh. Oh, I don't even remember well, that one. Who requested yeah, that? Uh, you did, James. This was your. This is totally. <laughs> yeah, this is totally your suggestion. <laughs> oh, uh, oh man, that's kind of scary. Maybe it was the. Maybe it was the James well, Ever. Or maybe it was Gamma. It, no, it was Gamma James. Well, that's a mysterious disappearance of your memory. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, Ooh. mysterious disappearances next week, you guys. Shout out to Gamma James. Yeah, shout out to <laughs> Gamma James. Uh, our music is signaled by Grant Cook. Tell them where they can find You can find them on Spotify, YouTube Music, Amazon Music, iTunes, anywhere you can find your music services. But yeah. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. Listen to it. Listen to it. Actually, Signal's not on a lot. Actually, Signal's on SoundCloud. But if you want to listen to some of his other stuff, he's got... It's everywhere. It's everywhere, man. Uh, cool. All right, guys. I guess I guess this is it. So, until yeah. next time, listeners. Keep, keep it, it strange. Keep it strange.